Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. Today we got a great guest, Charles Reed from Get Payroll. Charles, how are you doing today? Jackson, I'm doing fine. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Really, let's just start off. Kind of tell us your background, how you kind of got into your field. Well, I'm a Midwestern boy. I grew up in Iowa, as we, we talked about, cold winters. After high school, I joined the United States Marine Corps, spent four years in the service, two years overseas, including a combat stint in Vietnam. Came back, was stationed in Kansas City, met and married my wife, Ruth. Ruth had five kids when I married her. Uh, I claim insanity, but we were married for 45 years before she passed. Moved down to Texas, found business didn't value my military experience, so went to college. Got my BBA, my MBA, sat for and passed my CPA exam. Went to work for Texas Instruments right out of college. Spent 15 years in the corporate world, large corporations, small corporations, turnaround, startups, a lot of great experience, but learned that I didn't have the political skills to advance to the top in American corporate life. I'm unwilling to stab people in the back and toss them off the ladder. So if I was gonna run a company, like my father had his own company, uh, and I wanted to run one, I'd have to start my own. So just over 30 years ago, Ruth and I started our own business. It was a mobile accounting service with a payroll practice built in. We grew it about 10 years ago. I sold off the accounting to my partner, who still offices here with me in my building. And uh, we concentrate on payroll for small and medium-sized businesses around the country. Okay, and that kind of leads me to the next question. So you started uh, Get Payroll. And it's a very niche type business. You guys just single-handedly focus on payroll. So I have to ask, kind of what was your idea behind it? Why did you just decide to focus only on payroll? Well, we had the accounting and payroll. And frankly, I got tired of doing taxes and, and accounting. And it became too much for one person to oversee all of that. Accounting is such a huge field. So my, my partner wanted his own firm. So I sold that portion to him and, and kept the payroll, which is a, a fascinating business. It's very complex, uh, lots of changes in the law, lots of regulations, dealing with the IRS. I became a U.S. tax court practitioner so I could take my client's problems to tax court if need be. Uh, so I stay very busy. Uh, I, I enjoy the business. I enjoy my clients. I love my staff. It makes me a nice living. What more could I ask for? <laughs> no, really, what could you? That sounds like the perfect setup and the perfect type of business. And so now it sounds like you really know what you're talking about when it comes to payroll. And what I kind of realized, recently I got to help a few friends who have started their own businesses, and they've started hiring their own employees. And one thing they have to first figure out is just like paying them and the taxes. So I'm just kind of curious since you kind of have that payroll experience and the employee experience, for those kind of entrepreneurs who are building up their businesses, hiring their first employees, do you got any tips for them on the financial side or just? Absolutely. First thing to do is go to the payrollbook.com, which is a site for my newest book, The Payroll Book. It, it, it will give you one free of charge for your listeners. And that will give them all the details about payroll and how to handle it. But a couple of things right off the top. First of all, a lot of entrepreneurs say, well, I'm just going to pay them as 1099ers. Uh, that's not your choice. There's a lot of law involved in whether a person is an independent contractor or an employee. You don't get to choose. They don't get to choose. Now, that doesn't mean you can't structure the arrangement sometimes 
So it is one or the other. Whole body of law, and it changes. The Trump administration have proposed a new rule. Biden administration threw out the rule and says they're going to have a different one. So it changes, and you have to be on top of it. You have to know what's going on. But misclassifying employees or workers, either as employees or independent contractors, can be very, very expensive in terms of penalties and interest and taxes that you've paid to the independent contractor, and now you have to pay into the IRS as well. So it can be extremely expensive. I've seen it run into the six figures for small business. And I can tell you now, a lot of small businesses can't afford that type of uh, fee. Exactly. It'll destroy many a small business. So it's best to be right and do it the right way to start with. Classifying employees, not paying them under the table, knowing what reports you have to file, when you have to file them, what taxes you have to deposit, and when you have to deposit those. You do those four things, plus calculate them properly, which is the biggest source of errors, and you've eliminated most of the penalties and interest. Those five little things will solve most of your problems, not all of them. The IRS issued in 19, uh, $13 billion of employment tax penalties. Now, billions of dollars of it were abated by people like me because the IRS can't penalize you for a simple mistake, though they will, and they make millions of mistakes every year. So if you get a letter from the IRS saying, we're going to hit you with a penalty, uh, the short answer to handling it is appeal, 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 because sooner or later you're going to find somebody goes at the IRS is going to go, okay, that's a valid reason, and delete the penalty. But you got to ask for it over and over and over and over again. <laughs> they never like to make things a simple process, do they? No, they don't. Uh, and and it, it, don't get upset with them. They're just enforcing the law that your congressman passed, wrote and passed. So you, you, you the IRS is just enforcing the law. They don't make them. The IRS is made up of 100,000 people. They're all mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters. They're, for the most part, nice people. They're civil servants, of course, so they don't have the same for-profit drive that business people do. But they, you know, they want to do their job and they want to do it right. But they're dealing with limited budget. They're dealing sometimes with technology that is back in the 1960s, uh, and they have inadequate systems, and they are civil servants. So mistakes happen, lots of mistakes. And if one happens to you, you need to fight it. Now, I'll be real honest, if it's $7 and we've seen those, if you get a $7 penalty, just pay it. It's not worth writing the letter. <laughs> no, I've, if all I have to do is pay $7 and I don't have to deal with the IRS or government, I will happily pay 7 bucks. So, kind of earlier, you kind of saying that you have to make sure you kind of file everything correctly. So, what are kind of the different, the signs that you have a 10-9 1099 employee versus a full-time employee. 1099 independent contractor versus a W-2 employee. Well, one of the things is, can they substitute somebody else? If somebody comes to me for a tax return and I have one of my people do it that I've contracted with and I sign my name on it and hand it to them, that's my business, not the, the taxpayer, not who I'm doing the return for. That's up to me. But if you say you only can do the work, in other words, I, I'm hiring you to, to deliver on a hire, drive a truck around. 
well, yeah, but I want Joe to handle it for me today. No, you don't get to do that. Well, then you're probably an employee. Do you work for him full time? Do you do it the way they tell you to do it? Or do you use your own skills and expertise to do it? No taxpayer tells me how to do a tax return. Okay. I'm the expert. Okay. I'm, I've got the CPA, the, all, all those things. I'm a professional. I'm an independent contractor. But if I hire a bookkeeper and I say, here's the rules, here's the procedures, here's the manuals, here's the computer, here's the software, do it like I've told you to do it. They're not using their professional expertise or capabilities. They're doing what they're told to do. They're more likely an employee. There's 20 common law rules and it comes down to control. If you control them, uh, they're an employee. If they control themselves and if they have the risk of loss, for instance, you contract with me to do a tax return. I tell you $600. I give it over here to Sally and she does it and it turns into a nightmare and she charges me a thousand bucks to do it. Well, I'm still only collecting the $600 from you. I took the loss. Okay. If I come back to you and say, well, now it's going to be a thousand. You have the risk of loss. I don't. So that makes me less likely to be an employee. Those are some of the big things. No, those are important differences to make. A friend of mine, started a cleaning company, does really well. However, for the longest time, he did not realize that some of his cleaners were no longer just um, 1099 contractors, but rather they were full-time employees. And he ended up getting a large headache from his accountants and the IRS. He luckily didn't have to pay a large fee, but he just realized how misconstrued he, how he did not understand such a difference and it really impacted his bottom line and how he runs the business no and i think that can get even tougher nowadays as more and more americans are becoming freelancers and really we're seeing more laws kind of i can't remember what happened in california they basically made a very unique law kind of making almost everyone like an employee instead of a freelancer and so it's important to kind of stay up to date with those laws. Right. And it backfired on them because all the people in the movie industry now became employees and were up in arms. So they had to amend it. And then the courts came in and said, well, you can't do this and that. It was basically designed to take Uber and Lyft drivers and make them employees. That's what the law was designed to do. Okay. And they wrote it so poorly that it impacted a whole lot of people that they didn't intend to impact. And then the courts got in and the courts decided they get to interpret the law. So it becomes a nightmare of very poorly designed laws that have unintended consequences, which they always do. That was one of the first things they taught in economics is like the laws of unintended consequences. And it's like, you think you're going to do one thing, but you end up causing 10 other problems. So then... I'm kind of curious, you're the payroll expert, and we were kind of talking about this before we started the show, that you just offered, started offering a new service, um, crypto payroll, if, uh, is that what you called it? Exactly. We have two different plans. Uh, one the employer pays for, and it is a Bitcoin savings plan, where part of your payroll can immediately and without cost go into Bitcoin cold storage. The other is a plan that is for any employee, whether the employer 
wants to sponsor it or not, where they can convert part of their pay to crypto. Uh, currently, I think we have three coins, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. And they can transfer it to any wallet they want, or they can use one of the, the provider's wallets and they can transfer it, use it out however they wish. So we, we have those options for our, our clients' employees and our clients to help attract people who are interested in that. It helps them attract talent and keep it because it offers a new employee benefit that you're not getting elsewhere. So it's like uh, demand payroll, uh, which is, you know, pay per day or per, per several times a day or whatever. These kinds of things help attract particularly younger workers that are interested in these types of, of options. Uh, so we're the first payroll company uh, in the country to offer crypto payroll, and we're very pleased to do so for our clients and their employees. It's a lot of fun. It sounds like fun. That kind of makes me curious. Do you think we're going to see more transition to payroll companies doing mixing of both U.S. dollars and crypto, kind of managing both? Oh, I, I, I think so. I'm not, I'm not going to be the only one. I wish I could be, but you know, other, other, my competition will catch on at some point. You know, we, we, we follow each other. We, we, if we see something that a competitor does that makes sense, you know, we'll adopt it as well. So it's, it's. It's a competitive environment. We have some major competitors, uh, you know, like ADP and Paychex. Uh, they don't move as fast, so it may take them a while to get to it. But I'm sure we'll see some of the smaller people doing it fairly quickly because the people we're working with in the crypto world would love to have a lot of payroll companies with them. <laughs> they, they wouldn't give us an exclusive. <laughs> Honestly, I can only imagine. You're right, though. You're right. And it's so interesting. It's always interesting talking about crypto, especially with the way you're implementing it. I'm just, I'm not sure if you can answer this, but we've seen this past year, Bitcoin, for example, really shot up and then shot down really quickly. I don't know where it's at, like 30,000 for one Bitcoin, I think. Maybe it's lower than that now. It went, it went, to, it went to above 60 and then it fell back to 30. Uh, it, it's a very, very volatile market. Uh, TerraCoin just, you know, imploded here recently. There have been all kinds of scandals and losses and problems. It's not for everybody. You know, I, as a registered investment advisor, which I used to be, it's hard for me to recommend that you put a lot of money into it uh, as an investment. But if you want to put a small sum into it and, and play with it, you may make a lot of money. You may lose a lot of money, I, you know, but that's that's any, with any investment, you have that potential. I don't recommend it for retired people. Uh, you know, that are living off fixed income. But uh, for, you know, the under 40 crowd, if they want to uh, play with it, some people made a great deal of money in it. I, I had bought some for some transactions I was doing, didn't get around to making the transactions. And uh, a month later, my Bitcoin had doubled. Wow, that was a great investment. Then I spent it. <laughs> but I got double what I what I expected to get. So it was a great deal. <laughs> Hey, that's better than anywhere else you're going to get. And I have to say, I love that you, you use the word investment for it. Because I know some people are trying to use it to pay for everyday stuff. Like, um, not just with Bitcoin. Um, Tesla, for a little bit, was saying they were going to accept Dogecoin. So I was kind of wondering if, like, if people are, getting, are going to accept payment in uh, crypto. I was thinking, that's such a influx of how much you're actually getting paid because with the dollar at least it's gonna 
inflation will kind of stay steady, minus these past couple of years. We've been it's been a little bit wild, but with just having being paid in Bitcoin and seeing as like you're being paid in the U.S. dollar, seems a little bit almost unsettling because one day it could be the Bitcoin's worth two dollars and it drops down to one dollar, so you've lost half your value in a day. Absolutely, it's more of a speculation than an investment. To take three to five percent of your investment portfolio and speculate with it, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It keeps things interesting, uh, but there's also cost to using crypto. To convert from dollars to crypto, there's normally a cost. To convert from crypto back to dollars, there's a cost. So uh, the the market is much more expensive to move crypto in than it is to move dollars. Because the cost of, of writing a check and sending it to somebody, you know, you, you pay the $10 a month for your bank account, or if you're a senior citizen, you don't pay for one. It doesn't cost you any additional fees above just the, the dollars on the check. If you have a credit card and you pay your monthly balance in full, there's no cost for using that to you. There's a cost to the merchant. So crypto has some costs involved with it that other things may not. But, you know, there's places where crypto works very, very well internationally and overseas and uh, on the web and certain other things. I, I play poker online and, and they love crypto. Okay. <laughs> because a lot of the credit card companies uh, can't, can't deal with it. <laughs> I'm a poker player. I'm happy you brought that up. My... I hope my college doesn't hear this. I went to a Baptist university first off. Um, so you know where this is about to go. Yes, I do. <laughs> I bought I bought a Bitcoin. Small, I didn't buy one full Bitcoin, but I bought some and would use it to play an online poker room so I could gamble with real money. And did that in my Baptist university freshman year dorm. And so... Bitcoin comes in handy for that. Yes, yes, yes it does. <laughs> and no, we're seeing so much more usages for it. And it's going to be interesting as we just see how crypto evolves and Bitcoin. And it sounds like you're at the front lines of the crypto industry, especially trying to integrate it into just people's almost, I guess, everyday lives with just their paychecks, trying to help them be ready for it. I'm curious to see where it goes, and I wonder if we'll see, like, an income tax with it, like, if we're getting paid in Bitcoin, I guess, how that'll look. Well, you're getting paid in dollars. You, you can't get paid in Bitcoin, but what we do is we immediately convert some of those dollars your employer is sending you to Bitcoin in your account, okay? The, the, I, you can't legally pay a non-U.S. tender in the US, okay? You you can't pay in, in gold, you can't pay in in silver, you can't pay in pesos. You, you've got to pay in, in US dollars. But we can convert those effectively instantaneously. The same time your direct deposit goes to your bank, another direct deposit for part of your payroll goes to your crypto provider. So that's how we do it. Uh, it the, 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 the world's changing and things may happen. Uh, of course, any of the money you make or lose in crypto goes into your tax return. If you, if you know that that extra thousand dollars I made in crypto, I have to report as income. Now, of course, 
here this year when it fell out of bed, I, I get to take a loss. But you know, it it currently the IRS treats it as if as if it was a stock market transaction. That makes sense. So with you guys, you said you kind of put it into the uh, the provider. Do you guys have a provider you work with, or is that at the discretion of the employee? We work with NYDIG, which is big in the industry for cold storage, for the Bitcoin cold storage. And that's a very regulated, very, very, we, we investigated it fully to make sure it was safe for our clients' employees. Then on the other side, we work with Hedge, which is a big player in the industry, and they have the system where it goes into the Ethereum or Litecoin or, or Bitcoin and transfers immediately to the wallet of your choice. So you control it with your passwords and your name. So you have full control over it. It's not sitting someplace where somebody can abscond with it. No, we've seen um, issues with that in the past. I'm trying to remember. It was like, um, this was a few years ago. There was a new documentary that came out on Netflix talking about about some Bitcoin wallet where it ended up shutting down people lost maybe hundreds of millions or billions of dollars from it. Yes. Yeah. It, it's it's happened, and it's not the first time, and it's happened elsewhere. Uh, so you've got to be careful. It is cutting-edge investment, uh, cutting-edge speculation, and with any new industry, there is always problems. There's fraud. There are crooks. There's lack of regulation. There's lack of control. Now, everything we send out for our employers and their employees goes through a national bank. It goes through the Fed, okay? So we're not sending it to fly-by-night outfits. These are all federally regulated banks that are the point of entry into the system. And both Hedge and NYDIG work with uh, national banks, federally regulated national banks. So all this stuff is, is looked at by the regulators and by the Fed up to the point it turns into crypto. And then, you know, you've got... You've got some risk, just like you would with any investment. Just like if you, uh, who was the big one in Houston here a couple of years ago that that went belly up and took out billions of dollars? I know exactly who you're talking about, but I cannot remember their name. I, I can't remember their name either, but it happens. We, we, we see it. There, there's disasters in the market all the time. That that girl with her uh, her bio one that, that, She's on trial for fraud now. It, it happens. You have to be careful with any investment. No, and that's the name of the game. It's You always just have to be prepared. If you're not in the stock market, if you're outside the stock market and not investing in large corporations that have been around for years, there's a lot more risk that you have to be prepared for. And a lot of everyday investors and people just don't realize how much risk there really is. Well, in the last big recession, uh, GM went bankrupt and the, the, the stockholders lost everything. Uh, the bondholders got, got shaved as well. So it happens with major corporations as well. So it's, it's, it's an investment and there's risk in any investment. You know, there's risk putting a dollar bills in your mattress. Inflation can make them worthless like it's doing right now at about 8% a year. Yeah, that's been hurting my wallet a lot. <laughs> been hurting everybody's. No, and I think and I think that's really going to, this year's 
issues with inflation is going to spark back up a lot of cryptocurrency, and especially in Bitcoin, just to really, if people are scared, they're losing a lot of money without really doing anything. And things are just becoming so much more expensive. Oh, I, I filled up the car the other night. It was $75. Sheesh. That's in, in ridiculous. You know? And this is Texas, not California. Now, we start getting to the prices like California in Texas, then we really got big issues. Well, if it, if it gets if it gets to if it gets to seven dollars a gallon here, it's going to be twelve in California. So, <laughs> I told you this. I just moved back to my hometown, and this is the benefit of being in a small hometown. We got the option where you, some people might start riding horses again. I hear that one. This is Texas. For some reason, even at my university in Dallas, middle of Dallas, Dallas Baptist, I went several times saw people just riding their horses up and down. A major road. I'm like, this seems about right. You know, the Europeans think we all ride horses in Texas, but you know, only a few of us still do. <laughs> just a few. So we've kind of covered just like how your company's helping people kind of get them paid in crypto. And actually, I do have a question. You kept using the term cold storage. I don't know if I'm fully uh, up to date. What does that mean, or what is that? That's basically it's it's fixed. It you have X amount of Bitcoin. And the, the value changes, obviously, as the market changes, but it's not where you can use it. it. It's not in a wallet. It's in a cold storage. It's kind of like into a CD or a savings account uh, as opposed to a checking account. It's not designed to be used day to day. It's designed to sit there. Then you can take out a chunk if you need to later on. It's designed for long term. Uh, so they refer to it as cold storage as opposed to a wallet where you can you can spend it right then. In cold storage, you have to go back through the bank to convert it back to dollars. Now, there's no cost for that with NYDIG, and, and that's fine, but that's, that's how you do it. It goes from uh, the employer through a direct deposit to the bank to NYDIG in cold storage. If the employee then wants money out, he contacts NYDIG. They move it back to the bank uh, and convert it back to dollars, and then the the employee can do with it as they please. It's amazing how a simple transaction to us has a complicated transaction in the background that we never see. Well, one of the things with TerraCoin the other day was that they were leveraged. And when the leverage failed, the coin failed. Okay. With cold storage, it's not leveraged by any stretch of the imagination, nor is it leveraged in your individual wallet. Uh, but if the coin is leveraged, then, you know, it's a whole different ballgame. And that was their problem. And it was a, they, they should have known it. Anybody that looked at them realized they, they could have a problem and they did. So it's, you got to be careful on your coin selection as well as your provider and your wallets and so on. Remember the guy in, in Sweden or Norway who his uh, briefcase got thrown away and in it were his passwords for several million dollars of crypto. And he wanted to literally go through the trash dump and start looking for it. And they wouldn't let him. I remember that story. And I was like, that just, that has to hurt. It does. I mean, you just threw away a couple of million dollars. <laughs> kind of diverting a little bit away from crypto, but uh, I'm not sure. Have you kept up much with the NFT market? Yeah, it can it can be crazy. So you got to be careful. I just had to ask if you kind of think with 
if you think at some point in the future, payroll will kind of integrate with the NFTs next? Someday, probably. You know, everything's going computer and blockchain and so on. God only knows. Uh, I, I probably won't be around for it, but if I am, we'll, we'll embrace it. Uh, you still look pretty young to me. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> My girlfriends tell me I look young. Well, she's right. <laughs> but No, no, plural, plural. Girlfriends. Oh, hold up. <laughs> well, your girlfriends are correct. I got a couple more questions for you. And the first one being, we've talked about kind of crypto. We've talked about how your company's helping people kind of put money aside into it. And we've talked about just kind of, kind of the current uh, news about crypto, but Kind of, what's your viewpoints on what do you think is going to happen with crypto? Because right now, there's we've got a thousand options for crypto, um, and so I'm just kind of curious if you have an opinion on the futures of it and how it's really going to implement or affect people in employees and payroll companies like yourself. Well, I, I think over time, you know, the the expansion of coins will stop, and we'll end up with you know, like we have three major automakers, we have a couple of major chip makers. We have, you know, the number of national banks has, has shrunk. These things consolidate over time. So I, I think that will, will be something that will consolidate and fix, and there'll be less new entries. But I fully expect to see other payroll providers uh, uh, adopt cryptocurrency uh, facilities uh, for their, their clients and their clients' employees, because it is a thing particularly in the under 40 market. And so why would we not want to provide services for our clients and for their employees that they want? I mean, that's that's marketing, that is customer service, that is part of taking care of your uh, clientele. I mean, you know, if, if we never advanced, we'd still be paying in cash. So the world's changed and it's gonna continue to change and where it's gonna go exactly, Man, if I knew that, I'd be a very rich man. You and me both. But no, that's a fair answer. It's the best answer you can really give. I'm excited to see it, and I'm I'm interested in seeing, like your point, how it'll kind of consolidate over time. I'm curious to see what cryptocurrencies will come out on top, and just how much more it will evolve and what it will become in the future. It's it's fascinating stuff. I I I I'm, I follow it. I look at it. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but it's going to be fun to watch. I've watched technology change in the payroll industry for for 30 years. We do things differently than we did 30 years ago. 30 years from now, we'll do things differently than we do today. It's, uh, you know, we embrace technology and we embrace change and we want to make ourselves as useful to our clients and potential clients as possible. So anything we can do to do that, we want to do. And that's how a good business survives. And it sounds like you're running a really great business. I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> really, from everything I've heard and heard you talk about, I really think you are. Which, I guess I have one final question. Uh, just for our new entrepreneurs out there listening to this, do you have any tips or advice you want to give them, whether it be regarding taxes or payroll, 
or just something you want to tell them? Well, first of all, buy my book on, on payroll, and that'll give you a lot of the answers. And if there's too much there that you don't really understand, my phone number's in the book. But the advice I give to new entrepreneurs and, and small businesses, and I stole it from Bill Gates, people will overestimate what they can accomplish in 12 months and underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade. Business is a marathon. Don't, you know, work at it and work at it every day. Uh, continue to work at it and you'll be amazed over the long term what you can accomplish. You may not get it this year. It may not be next year, but over the next decade, you'll be amazed at what you can do. That's some solid advice. And honestly, I've been doing, trying to be an entrepreneur for years now. I've tried several businesses and I just started my newest one. And honestly, that's still a good reminder and good advice to hear. So Charles, thank you for that. And thank you for coming on my show today. Been my pleasure, Jackson. Been my pleasure. Thank you for having me.